just because I came out at 21 doesn't mean that I have stopped coming out. I have to come out every time I step into a room. Any space I enter, I'm looked at as like, oh, there's the gay guy. What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Priori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the basement yard, Vine, the Low Priori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm your host, Daniel Priori, and today I am joined by celebrity stylist and recovering addict, Mondo Melendez. Mondo, how's it going? It's good. It's good. I woke up a little bit like, wait, what do I have to do today again? You know, I had that little moment. And then once I started getting the ball rolling, where like I walked my dog, made my coffee, took a shower, and then like started working on my face. I was like, oh, okay, we're good. Everything's fine. All right. Started working on my face. Now I have to ask, what's the regimen? The regimen? Well, it depends. Like, it depends on how much time we have. Today, I gave myself an hour and I was still like rushed. And it's only my doing because I go on live and like I start talking to people. So it really depends because sometimes it's like really quick and it's like, I only have five minutes. Let's go really fast. And then other times it's like, let me take my time and like really like enjoy this process. See, for me, I wash my face in the morning and at night. Is that enough? Yes, of course. Okay. Of course, I mean, we're talking about like glam. We're not talking about like. Well, I want to know about glam, though. (laughs) I want to know about glam. So, what goes into the glam? Again, it depends on how much you want to put on. Like today, I decided to do full beat for you. This is, we're talking like concealer, cutting into the face, beating the face. Like, we're talking all the things. Like, I pulled out all the stops for you. I tried to put on a cool enough shirt, though, but then you killed me with the shirt that you got on right now. Well, it's Pride Month. I know it is. As a Pride ally, as I've been many times in my life, we are coming into a month where, do you think New York City, if you've ever been, have you ever been to the New York City Pride Parade? Yes, I used to live in New York. Oh, okay. All right, great. Yeah. Does New York City have the best Pride Parade in the country? I will say this. Pride in New York is very, very special. I'm born and raised Los Angeles, so I've always had like a big city pride. Like, right. so that's never been, uh, there's never been a lack of that in my, in my life, you know? But when I went to New York, I just remember like the whole island of Manhattan, including Brooklyn, but like much more Manhattan, like the whole island of Manhattan is pride. And like, oh, yeah. there is nowhere that you can't, that you can't go, that you are not going to find something having to do with like LGBTQ. And like, obviously a lot of it is because they want to make money because they know that like, you know, a lot of the bars are like, let me slap in the, this rainbow there's flag. That. And, yes, for sure. Yeah, there's that. But with that being said, it is very, very nice that you could literally just walk the streets of New York City and just feel the pride where like here in L.A., I could be walking in my neighborhood. I live in Silver Lake. I live in Silver Lake right now. And it's kind of 25 minutes from WeHo, where it's like where Pride or like Hollywood WeHo, where like Pride happens. 
So you don't see that much of it over here, you know, like walking around. Like you see a couple flags here and there, but it's not like New York City Pride. And I don't know if they have the best parade, but I will say that Pride in New York is very, very special. So for you, though, growing up, you've kind of always had to be creative, right? Because you you grew, you come from uh, humble beginnings. You know, there's very humble, a, the, yeah. you know, there wasn't a lot of money to go around in your household. I know what that's like. Because when we're young, when we're really little, the idea of money is not really a thing. We don't grasp that till an older age. Because I remember when I was like 11 or 12, I was like, oh, damn, my parents are broke as fuck. At what age did you kind of start to see that, oh, yeah, we're struggling a little bit here? The first time I ever went to the mall, and I remember it wasn't until I was in high school that I got invited to go to the mall. And I didn't go to the mall to shop. Like, I didn't know that that's what you did there. I thought like you went there to hang out. And like when I got there and everybody was shopping and doing all of these other things, I was like, oh, yeah, like I had no idea. Like that was never a part of my world, you know, but again, like I didn't know that world. So like up until that moment, it was never like an issue. You know, I grew up going to like Santee Alley, which I still go to Santee Alley today. You know, and my parents would call that the mall. They're like, we're going to the mall. So I thought the mall was a back alley with like (laughs) t-shirts like hanging up, you know? So when I went and I saw the building and I was like, oh, this is the mall? Like work. This is rich. This is rich, rich, rich. Yes. And that happened a lot in my life. That was just one of many moments that I had where I showed up to a space and I was like, oh, I had never experienced something like this. I didn't even know this existed. I didn't even know people were doing things like this. I was reading that you guys were so broke that you couldn't afford school uniforms, right? Yeah. So what would happen was, you know, every school year, my peers, other people around me, not everybody, but some people would buy a whole new outfit, like whole new wardrobe, like not even outfit, like shirts and pants and shoes and this and that. And every school year, all I would get would be a new white polo because uniforms were optional. But my, my mom was like, it's easier for me if I just buy you one new white polo, one new pair of blue pants. Right. And I would be lucky if I got a new pair of shoes. Like shoes were not always a part of the deal. And me, like now that I'm like this, like super stylish person, I felt confined. Money aside, like I just felt like, why am I in this? And everybody yeah, else is in, you know, trying to pop. Yes. Like, why is, why does everyone look so cool? Like at school with their t-shirts and their baggy <laughs> jeans. Right. I always say, I even do a bit about this. There's different type of gay in America. And this is what it is. Like being like white American gay is a little bit easier than being like immigrant parent gay. It's so difficult because, you know, I have friends who both of their parents are immigrants. One of them, their father doesn't talk to them. And I'm sure that happens with everyone. But, you know, people come from another country and they're just trying to give their kids the best life that they can. Right. And then when they see something like, oh, they're they're gay or lesbian or bisexual or non-binary, I feel like immigrant parents take it so much harder because they feel like uh, they failed in a sense. Did you have to go through something like that kind of with your parents? Or was it something that your parents accepted from the start? Because I feel like with immigrants, it's a lot tougher to get that acceptance from parents. 
I 100, 100% agree. I came out at 21. You know, okay. I am 35, about to be 36 in a few weeks, you know. So I came out when I was 21. I knew I was gay at like age three. But I didn't know the wording. I didn't know how to communicate that. I just knew something was different. I didn't know what that different was. And once I started to like listen and hear like the word gay and guys liking other guys and this and that, and then I started to see how my family, like my media, like my parents, and also like my extended family, you know, because I am, I come from uh, two Mexican immigrant parents. So all of our family, aunts, uncles, cousins, like I saw how they would react to other gay men, other gay people. It didn't feel good. It was never outright said, like, if you're gay, you're going to disappoint us. But it was definitely like, we came here to give you a better life. Right. You have to be better than what we had. You have to stay in school. You have to, like, get married. You have to do all of these things, all of these pressures that maybe not necessarily someone who's coming from a, you know, a white, non-immigrant family would have. Right. You know, like, those pressures of, like, we crossed the border for you. Like, and like, also like you didn't, you didn't cross the border for me because I wasn't born yet. (laughs) Like y'all didn't even know each other. So you didn't cross the, but, (laughs) but that is what they're telling me. So that's what you believe. You know, you believe those pressures. So true. So by the time I came out, um, was like, okay with it, but let's not really talk about it, you know, but I love you. I love you. My sister was just like, listen, I don't care. Move on. My sister was, was fantastic. And, and, Thank God, you know, because like had my whole family shunned me, I don't know how how I would have reacted. But even with my dad, I'm that person that was always seeking for my dad's approval, you know, especially because I knew I was gay, like, Mm. and he wanted me to play soccer so bad and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to play, but there I was for like 10 years of my life given to this person just so that they can turn around and tell me like, hey, I see you, I love you come here you know for sure and so the here i am coming out saying but at that moment like i did have those feelings of like i wish i wasn't gay i wish i didn't have to do this i wish i didn't have to do this right today i'm in a completely different place but it was rough it was rough it was hard do you think that the kind of attributed to like the starting of drug use for you because you were just dealing with so much stuff inside and you want your family's approval. I'm not even talking about being gay anymore. I'm just talking about like trying to have your dad's approval is kind of a tough thing on anybody. My dad, I say it on the show all the time. My dad didn't tell me he loved me until I was like 27 years old. Yeah. You know, because he's just an old school Italian dude. 100%. His love was like feeding me and like letting me sleep like in his house. He never thought like, oh, I got to tell you I love you too. Like what's what the fuck are you talking about? I acted out a lot. I drank a lot. Cocaine was my drug of choice. There were outbursts in school, fights, all that stuff. And I went to therapy. And right after I went to therapy, a lot of it was just that I was looking for some kind of admiration and affection at home from my parents. I felt like I no one was really paying attention to me when I was a kid. So I would act out and do all these things. So that's kind of what started into me really actually addressing where my depression started my and my depression started like about around ninth grade and that's when Mm. i I started drinking in ninth grade i was wild man i used to take like cough medicine pills i did the whole thing at like 9 10 11 12th grade but for you uh when did the drug use start for you i started very very young i'm a member of 
a sober program and I'm an open book and, and I'll talk about this at age three. I, another family member was doing things to me that shouldn't have been done to a three-year-old. Right. And like, at first, like that is very shocking to people for people to hear and like, Oh my God. But to be honest, like what that started was that then I went into here, right. I went into my brain. I went into my mind and what I started creating was fantasy. I would envision myself not being there, not not these things not happening to me. I live in a castle. I'm going to be a pop star. These two parents that I, I didn't know how to communicate to what was happening, they're not my parents. You know, other people are my parents. So I started to kind of disassociate with what sure. was happening. So that to me was when it first started. The drugs started then because that's what drugs do, right? Like I take them, I disassociate with whatever I'm feeling or or thinking. And for a second, I don't have to feel the feelings that I'm feeling. And so that's what I did with fantasy. So from three to like 12, 13, when I picked up my first drink, that's all I did. I would go into fantasy, you know, so at school I would be doing bad and they would be like, why are you doing bad? You're very smart. But it's because I'd be daydreaming all day. Yes. You know, I'd be daydreaming about a better life, a better this. I have things. You know, I saw this commercial about a new Nintendo. And in my head, I had the Nintendo. In, right. in reality, I didn't have it. And so by the time I, I, I picked up my first drink, like it was a no brainer. You know, I, everyone around me was doing it. I saw them having fun. It was no, no, like, oh my God, I can breathe now. It was just like the next indicated step. And Absolutely. from there, it went fast. It went fast for me because then now at this point, I'm gay. I'm having gender issues that I didn't even know about. I'm depressed. I don't know how to communicate that to my parents who say, pick yourself up and dust yourself off. And that's it. Oh, yeah. You don't get to cry. You don't get, yeah, tell me you know, it. so all of that is happening. And so by the time I pick up my first drink, I'm like, oh, there's what that gave me was access to a whole new community. A community of people who didn't give a fuck. Yeah. A community of people who were also kind of on the same level as me, dealing with some shit. And we all kind of wanted to just forget about it. So we're drinking. I'm smoking weed in the back of a school bus. Like my mom, like people drink, we're drinking coffee. I was drinking black tea, which if if you know, like black tea has way more caffeine than coffee. Oh yeah. And so I'd be like, in 10th grade, 11th grade, like sipping on this big old tub of that. And, and then more drugs came. And, and before you know it, like I was a heavy drug user, you know, very young age. Like I'm talking high school, you know, it went fast for me. What was your drug of choice when you were using alcohol? I think that alcohol for me was always my safety net. People had their comments about me drinking, but I could still go to the store and buy it. So that was always my drug of choice, but I had eras of drugs. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I would go through my cocaine phase and I would I would heavily use cocaine. I'd go through my pill phase where like all I'm taking is pills. I'd go through my heroin phase. I went through so many phases. And what would happen was like I would use cocaine, right, for like a year, almost every day. And then I would say, okay, I'm stopping cocaine. Right. And then I would stop the cocaine and then I would go to pills. And then my brain would be like, well, I left the cocaine, so I clearly don't have a problem because right. I stopped. <laughs> yeah, do, you're doing uh, you know? attic math. 
attic math and just like that vicious cycle that is talked about in, in literature, right? Where like you keep doing the same thing over and over expecting different results. And yes. I tried that. I tried that so, so much with drugs. Like I tried that with drugs, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, I'm laughing because um, I know, I know, so, you, I know what you're talking about. It's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. What was your rock bottom though? It all started in New York. When I first moved to New York, after I moved to New York in like 2008. And I think 2009, my rock bottom started. I didn't get sober till 2014. So four years, five, five years. Right. I started blacking out way before that. Like I, it's one of the reasons why I moved to New York City was because I was here in LA. I was driving, blacking out, not knowing how I got home not knowing where my car was, not knowing that last night we got into a car accident. I didn't even know about like things like that were happening in my life. Right. So I was like, okay, let me make some changes. And what I did, I did a geographic. I moved to New York city where I didn't have to drive anymore. That's my solution. Right. It's not the drugs and the alcohol. It's the, my mode of transportation needs to change. And so I go and it's always the car's fault. It's always something else's fault. It's never going to be, me right because then at the end of the day like it's it's me it's also not the drugs and the alcohol because there's people out in the world who can have a couple glasses of wine and still live a very functioning life yes i can't so that happens and then what starts happening is that i stop giving a fuck Mm. and instead of fighting like i have to keep it together i have to keep it together i started saying you know what i don't have to keep it together you know what I do drink a lot. You know what? I like doing drugs. I just kind of started accepting that, right? Right. You kind of accept like, yeah, I'm a piece of shit. That's kind, kind of like, of. yeah. Kind of, yes. And that's exactly what it was. Like, I'm a piece of shit. Like, shit's just not going to go well for me. And that's yep. fine. I know. You know? Well. And again, all of that stuff of growing up and like the not having enough and not having this, like it comes back into play, right? Where it's like, it's fine because I've always not had anything. I've Mm -hmm. always been struggling. I've always been this person. So why the fuck don't I just accept that? And so I start accepting it and and I and I just dive in deeper and and the blackouts become longer, the handcuffs start coming in, those moments of being in a room full of people and feeling lonelier than I'm when with I'm by myself. You know, and I'm surrounded with people who are like, oh my God, you're amazing. And oh my God, you're this, and oh my God, and all of that stuff and like all that chatter is happening. But in here, like, I'm gone. I've checked out. You know, even that disassociation back to, like, when you were young, even in those moments, too, it's like everybody loves you but yourself. That's that's the hardest part. That's it. That, exactly. That's the hardest part. We were talking about the school uniforms before. Was styling something that you were always into? Did you, like, you style your friends a little bit first? How did you kind of get into the actual, you know, I'm going to be a stylist. Like, how does one get into that field? Well, good question. I ask myself that every day. (laughs) (laughs) There's no school. Like, there's no, like, I'm going to go get a degree in styling. And that's what I'm saying. Teach me how to do it. You know, I wish there was. and, And maybe one day there will be. But there isn't. And so, yes, it started off, like, at a very young age. The lack of not having, I think, again, like, now looking back at it, thank God. Because whenever I would like do an errand where like my dad would be like, I'll give you $5 if you go to the store and get me this, or if you help me clean out the garage or whatever it was like, and I'll give you like $5, right? I would save those $5 and I would go to the thrift store 
you know, those $5, I could get like a t-shirt, a pants and a pair of new shoes because everything was like a dollar, $2, $3, like everything was so cheap. And that's when I first started to like, really start to think, okay, well, this shirt could go well with these pants and this and that. That's when I first started to like, get into that, that mindset. And then I was a punk rocker wow, in okay. high school. I was a punk rocker. So like studying our, our jackets or like cutting up our shirts, making skinny jeans before skinny jeans were a thing. I'm 34. So what were your uh, go-to bands when you were that age? Well, I was like street punk. So like the casualties. What about like some 41? Did you like some 41? I did like some 41, but they were on the popular side, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the Blink-182, the Blink some 41, huge fan, huge, huge fan. But if I really like think of like who was talking to my soul, it was street punk, you know? Like they were yelling, they were mad. I don't know what they were mad about, but we were angry. <laughs> <laughs> and I connected with that because I was angry, you know, yes. I was angry in high school. That's kind of like where it all started like shifting. And then, so I had a friend, I had a, a really good friend of mine in high school that started a punk band and his punk band needed merch. And so I uh -huh. was in a graphic design class in, in high school. So I was making stencils and so I could silkscreen shirts. So I was making his shirt at like his, his like Got merch. It. I was making it in, mm -hmm. I was making it in school. Then I was selling it like on, at shows. And so that really like solidified like, oh, wait, wait, I love doing this. Like I love making it. I love people wearing it. Like I just love style, you know? And like, that's where it started, but that's also kind of where it stopped. Because again, we go back to growing up in a household with two immigrant parents, the arts weren't something that were, was supported in my household. You know, mm -hmm. like I was very creative. I wanted to go to shows and punk rock shows. And yes, they would take me to them, but all the way there is, why do you want to go to these? Why are you doing this? Why are you wearing tight jeans? Why are right. you wearing cut up shirts? Why are your Converse so dirty? And why do you keep wearing them? Like, you know, and to me, I'm like, they're dirty because that's fucking cool. You know, and yeah. now like <laughs> major brands are selling dirty shoes and people oh. are paying hundreds and thousands of dollars for that, you know? Yeah. And they're horrible. And yes, exactly. Because you could do it at home easily. That was like Balenciaga's like whole line. Like their, their last, like last couple of lines were just like, let's make our clothes ripped and dirty. Yeah. And I mean, they're not the only brand, you know, there was like so many other brands like golden goose yeah they're just beat up shoes beat up shoes <laughs> like literally and people spend hundreds of dollars on them with that mentality at home of like why are you doing all these things like it's always that pressure to like yeah. maybe i shouldn't be doing this maybe maybe what i'm wearing is wrong so i kind of just kind of let it fall into the background right and yeah, i'm like i can't even imagine that too because it's like uh you're you're kind of finding a moment where you can express yourself somewhat you didn't come out to your 21 but at least like listen like i'm going through enough shit like let me just go to this fucking concert in peace you know what yeah. i mean and, and it's still like you're trying to learn to express yourself you're getting there you're finding things that you actually like and enjoy right and then it's mm -hmm. uh you know you got to hear shit about it that was like the worst like the worst parts of like growing up it's like a good friend of mine is gay that i've known since we were young i remember though we had a conversation about it i said so i was like yeah so what was it like just like being at parties with us and 
just knowing you were gay and just not being able to like tell anybody. He was like, I found other things that I liked. He sang in the choir. He would be in shows. He would style. He won best dressed in our school, you know? So like he had other outlets to kind of be himself. So I ask you in, in that similar situation, was it something that this is because, you know, we go through phases like we all have a punk phase or like a, a rap phase. Mine was I thought I was black face. You're listening to every rap song and you, you live in the suburbs and you think that, you know, it's a, it's hard out here in the hood in the suburbs for everybody. When you were going through like kind of those that metamorphosis. Was music and the merch designs and getting into style. Do you think that was kind of like a part of your process to the point of like, I'm getting more comfortable with myself and who I am as a person? Absolutely. But at the same time, no, because like how I, how I mentioned, like I was going against the grain. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so where I wanted to go to actually not speaking of blink 182 blink 182 was one of the first cds i went to the store and bought and i remember buying it and i bought the explicit version and you know they had just stopped those big old explicit oh, yeah. like stickers on everything and i come home and my parents see it and they see that it says explicit and they make me go return it and i have to get the non-explicit and i was like are you fucking kidding me yeah like sucks. i want the cuss words like why is everything have to be such an issue see kids don't right? remember these days they don't remember that you remember sam goody Tower yes Maker? of course of course I, I, of course i used to go there sit outside and wait for somebody of age to be like hey can you go buy me this dmx cd exactly it was harder to get music back then these guys kids are so freaking spoiled they don't know what it yes. was like yes and you had to get concert tickets that way i remember yeah. going and getting in line to Ticketmaster. like Ticketmaster was actually a place and you went yeah. and you waited in line and you hoped that you were the, one of the first three people because that's all who was getting tickets that was it so like you know, always going against the grain, like it was just like never really celebrated. And I kind of like shunned all the styling stuff towards the back. And it was always just something I did, but I never wanted to talk about. And then also, how do you tell people, hey, I want to be a stylist? Like it just always was like weird to me. And I don't know why. And I mean, now I know why. I know yeah. today the reason why I, I felt that way was because I was unsure of myself for sure and then also it doesn't help that people are fucking assholes too yes, yes. <laughs> that doesn't help it's like hey what's up guys i'm a guy you know on the outside to you i come off as a guy and i want to be a stylist too don't beat me up please that was just asking to get beat up our age group was like the last age group really to a point where people would say oh that's so gay in school and like yeah. not get in trouble yeah. You know, now you go to, you, you'll get like suspended if you say that. People yeah. were throwing gays and Fs and all that. They were throwing everything out there. And people would just be like, all right, go to class. Like it wasn't like a punishable offense to be like a homophobe when we were kids. Yeah. You yeah. know, which is kind of crazy mm -hmm. to think about now. Mm -hmm. That was like a really, really kind of strange era that, that we grew up in in high school. It was very, very weird. But for you, though, were you more afraid of how people were going to accept you or were you more afraid of not just how people were going to accept you, but were you more afraid of coming into your own at that young of an age, 
at like 13, 14, 15, and being able to be like, listen, I'm going to come out and, you know, cause that's a, that's a big, big thing to do at a very young age. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and now today I feel like a lot of people are coming out very, very young and there's always that question where people ask you, like, if you could go back, is there one thing you would do differently? And I always say no, because again, like everything that happened in my life has made me the person that I am today. And I wouldn't change that from the life of me. Like I wouldn't change anything, any bad thing that ever happened, you know, anything that like I did like that maybe, maybe would have hurt somebody. Like I did those things and I learned lessons. Like thank God that I did. Right. But if I could go back and I had to choose one thing to change, it would be that I would have came out earlier. Like it makes me emotional because as a queer person, as a queer person of color, you would think that I would go back and be like, I would have played the lottery and like been a billionaire, a millionaire. But for me, it's a lot simpler than that. Like I just wanted to always be given the space and the opportunity to be myself. I didn't know that I could give myself that. So I could have came out at 13, you know, fuck what everybody had to say, because everybody's always going to have an opinion and say whatever they want given the, maybe the right resources, given maybe the right support, you know, maybe if if it wasn't coming from my family, that it would have came from somewhere else that I would have been comfortable enough to have said, you know what, I'm gay, period. So it is one of those things where like, that would have made things, I think a little bit easier on me. For sure. Well, like I I can't imagine that as a, you know, a straight male, I can't even imagine carrying around something like that on your heart for two decades, almost. Yeah. Well, you got to think of what that's like from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. That's something that's just weighing on you like your whole life, you know? So it's okay to get emotional. Like, you know, I I can feel it. I can feel it in your voice. You know, that's something that's something that I'll never, you know, have to go through. But it's something that you have to kind of respect in a sense that, like you said, instead of going back and winning the lottery, you go back and come out earlier. You know, the work that you put into yourself. As people that have struggled with substance abuse, it's hard not to live in the past because some past decisions, they, they follow you for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the mechanisms in your brain and the way that your brain works and stuff. But like, you know, I think it's a good thing for you to have that sense of uh, awareness. The hardest thing for us is uh, sometimes is uh, self-awareness. And uh, self-awareness is very hard for uh, a lot of people to have. And like you said, when you were using, mm-hmm. you didn't have self-awareness. You would just black out and like drive home. And like, if you mm-hmm. woke up, you were like, all right, cool, whatever. So, you know, in the sense of awareness, what I want to say to you is, is I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. Thank you. You know, I wish you nothing but the best. And, you know, as much as we like to live in regret sometimes, everything happens for a reason. Like you said, you wouldn't change anything besides just coming out early. I hope that the last, you say you're 35, right? The last 14 years yeah. have been the best 14 years of your life. And then the next 15 are going to be even doper for you. Yeah. You got to embrace that. Love yourself now. It's always fun to go down memory lane and like kind of beat ourselves up. I think like it's kind of like an addict thing, but it's also like, I don't know, like a Hispanic thing. We just like to like beat yeah. ourselves up all the time. You know what I mean? So like, it's something that we deal with, but I hope you take the time to really just admire your journey and admire yourself. And when you're in the mirror getting glammed up, I hope you take a minute to just be like, yeah, like I'm dope as fuck. Like I live a cool ass life. You know, like I earned this. You earned it. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you take that time for yourself because we we have a hard time stopping and smelling the roses sometimes. No, absolutely. And I will say like, 
So I've been sober for eight years. I'm coming up, you know, if I stay willing, I'll be nine years sober. Good for you. In like four weeks, uh, in a month, in a month, I'll be, I'll be nine. And I definitely believe that although from when I came out, like that was like a very pivotal moment. Like, I don't think I understood what I was actually doing. I kind of was just doing it to do it. But like today now, like definitely I have those moments where I like can look back at my life and be like, wow, I've been able to do so many things that have have allowed me to come into this moment where like I can sit in front of you and be in this full glam and be wearing a rainbow, like rhinestone shirt that I made myself, you know, like, I could be wearing my nails, like nope. my acrylic set, you know, like I could be in this body that I'm in today and in the, in this headspace that I'm in today and feel comfortable where like, even prior to sobriety, even after I came out, like I still was trying to hide, like I no longer want to hide. And I'll say this, because I don't think a lot of people know this. And I hope that more people can stop and, and think about this just because I came out at 21 doesn't mean that I have stopped coming out. I have to come out every time I step into a room. Any space I enter, I'm looked at as like, oh, there's the gay guy. Oh, yeah. there they are. Are you gay? You know, and I have to be like, yes. You know, and, and sometimes when I'm not glammed up, it's even worse because people are like, you know, because I got a beard and and, right. and that. So like they'll put me in the in a in the category of what they want to believe I am. And then I have to be like, no, I am gay. No, I'm non-binary. No, I'm these other things right. that just because I'm not presenting, I am. And we have to deal with that every, 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 every day of our lives. And I don't think people understand how exhausting that is just on a personal level. And then to think on a global level where like there's policies and laws being put into place to make it even harder for us to be able to live our authentic lives. It's tiring. I can't even imagine. Because you, <laughs> you think like uh, probably in the moment when you came out, you're like, oh, yeah, they're going to put this on CNN and everyone in the world will see yeah. it do it again. <laughs> you know, or, like, or like, that's it. You know, that's it. I did it. I came yeah. out. Yay. You know? Yeah. You want to know what's crazy? I've never really thought of it that way. I've never really thought of it like that. You know, because in a way, it's because like coming out such a monumental thing. Right. But it's mm-hmm. they didn't tell everyone in the world. Yeah. Yeah, no, I never really thought of it that way. That's a very interesting way to to think about it. Ah, I appreciate that. Well, now now I'm going to have some thinking to do today. Before I let you go, because everyone's busy, it's a crazy world we live in, can I still wear skinny jeans? Well, it depends. Because, because. Are skinny jeans all the way out? That's what I need to know. Because then I'm going to have to. They're going to come back. They're going to come back. They're going to come back. Don't, Don't worry. Skinny jeans are coming back. Right now, obviously, we're in our very loose era. Yes. And it's all like carpenter like, things. I'm, it's everything's huge. And, like, I love it because, like, I love swimming in my clothes. Like, I wear 3X. I wear size, like, 36 jeans. My true waist, like, I'm a 32. I like what um how we can play with our clothes just by getting a bigger size or a smaller size. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So skinny jeans will be coming back. Don't you worry. Like I saw skinny jeans in my closet. Like, especially like if you really are feeling the skinny vibe, I would suggest you get a pair of skinny leather jeans and try those on. And I know as probably, you know, straight hetero person, that might be like leather. But (laughs) There's one thing you got to know about me. I am Metro to the max. 
You want to know what's crazy is I started wearing these kind of button down shirts. Yes. Uh-huh. Like six months ago. They're everywhere now. Yeah. Well, so I, I made this. I, I made this shirt. Literally, I took bandanas, cut them up, sewed them onto a shirt, stoned no it. Shit. And then you find this everywhere. Like you could go any store and you'll find this. It's special to me because I know I made it. But like to the world, they're like, oh, she bought it at, you know, Forever 21. And a lot of that happens is because like once we start wearing something, we just start seeing it everywhere because we're paying attention. What is the fad of the summer? So different fads happen for different groups. Like, so for example, like the gays, they have their own fad. And then like the straights, they're going to have their own fad. And I think that the straights are really getting into mesh right now. Like, I think they're like really starting to be like, you know what? This like mesh moment is happening for me. Um, Oh, like The gays have been wearing the mesh. But I think straights are getting into mesh, which is cool. You know, like show that body off. Like, Can I be honest with you? Whatever it is. Yes. I think I wore about nine mesh shirts at my wedding. On my honeymoon, all I wore were mesh like see-through shirts. Exactly. Yeah, They're I comfortable. Something about it, you feel sexy. Like, oh, hell regardless yeah. of who, how you, you know, identify. Like, So I think that that's happening. We're still very much in like the neon pastel era where like, yeah. like very muted colors are going very well with like kind of like what I did here with the... This moment right yeah, here with the baby blue and the neon green, that's still very much going to be a thing. Accessories, I think, are like just slaying the fashion industry. Like yeah. everybody wants to accessorize all over again. Like we're back in like early 2000s, you know, with like studded belts and all of that, you know, it, it's all coming back. And, and that's the thing with like fashion or with like anything in general. It'll happen and then it'll come back and then people will be over it and then it'll go back into somewhere and then it'll come back up. So like everything's like a remake of something we've already seen. You know what I saw like a, like a couple days ago? I swear to God, I saw two kids in like Jinko jeans. Yeah. Remember Jinko jeans? Jinko's coming back. Jinko's back. Yes, absolutely. That's fucking crazy. I know. That's crazy. Well, Champion is like everywhere. Champion is everywhere. I mean, Champion... I was buying it like at Walmart. I mean, they still sell it at Walmart, but like they're also making these like big collabs and like it's wild. Pro Club is what we wear in the hood, like before Champion. And <laughs> Pro Club sweaters were like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. And now they're even like $45, $60 for a sweater, you know? So, like, and also it has to do with inflation, like obviously, like all of that. But also it has to do with like people want that you know people are starting to notice that like what the culture and when i say the culture like what people of color were doing in these low income spaces in fashion were fucking dope and sickening like nails like i remember like girls would always be like oh my god why are you getting those long nails you need those like little pretty like french tips and now you can't go anywhere with seeing somebody with like teddy bears hanging off their nails like anything you know and it's something so simple, you know, but it's like so monumental. Like I've been getting my nails done since I was 16. I'm talking going into nail salons and being turned away for being a guy wanting to get a manicure. I'm talking they wouldn't put colored nail polish on my nails. Like that's how far back I go in getting my nails done. So the fact, the fact that Bad Bunny is out here rocking a set, 
I'm like, you know what? Let's go. And then that's the other thing. Like, I think that straight community is very much in love with nail polish and I'm here for it. The straight community wants to be gay without the struggle of being gay. That's, that's, exactly. that's what's going on. Exactly. Now. They try to do everything except, uh, you know, go through the hardships of being gay. That's what we're doing on this side. Just so you know. I'm very well aware of it. And then, <laughs> then that's the thing, you know, like, that's the thing. It's like what people don't understand. It's like, yeah, like someone who's straight at the end of the day, they're like, no, I'm fucking straight. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. And then for me, it's like, no, I'm fucking gay. And then they're like, yeah. oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's like a different vibe. A different yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just think as, yeah. as people were becoming so blended that like nobody's going to know what anybody is like at, at some point soon. I hit on everybody. I don't care. <laughs> and if you're offended by me telling you that I think you're hot, that's weird because you're fucking hot. You know what I mean? Like, you should be grateful that, like, someone thinks you're attractive because I am. You know? I was like if, that, if, too. I was like, if a gay dude ever just came up to me and was like, yeah, I think you're cute, I'd be like, yeah, give me a hug, bro. I'm like, because <laughs> you want to know something? I walked by 15 girls before and none of them said shit. Exactly. You know what? I'm like, you know what? <laughs> you know what? Thank you. You made my day. You made my day. That's what it is. That's the one thing, too, I love about my gay friends. They don't give a fuck. They get after it. They get sometimes. Yeah, it. sometimes. Yeah, yeah sometimes. We, sometimes, we sometimes. Not, not we everybody. Do. We don't want to throw everybody into a thing. But, yeah. you know, I've just been lucky to be blessed with a couple of gay friends that get after it. You yes, know, I, yes. And honestly, I, I live vicariously through them sometimes. You yes, know yes, yes. <laughs> you got to have, have gay friends to bounce gay questions off. That's just how I feel. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, listen, I'm like, listen, we're friends. You gotta let me know what's going down. You know what I mean? Wait, I have got- you asked them? Have you asked them how to douche? Do you that's another trend in the straight community? Let me tell you y'all, something. Wait, hold on, hold on. Y'all love to get your asses ate, and like y'all are like living in it. So, like, what's the tea? I want to know. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yay! So, <laughs> there's not a gay question that I haven't asked my gay friends. Every gay question in the world. I remember one time I was talking to my friend. I said, listen, when you guys have sex, right? Can you come just from like anal sex? Uh-huh. And he was like, sometimes. And I was just like, all right, yeah. now elaborate. Now I need to know. Now I need to know all these questions. There is not a gay question that I will not ask my gay friends. Because I feel the more I know, the more I'll understand. And yeah, I do like it. my booty ate sometimes. Yes! <laughs> I live. When I started hearing that, like, I was like, wow, this is, like, wild. And, like, everybody's talking about it, you know? Nicki Minaj I got a cl- said, I went and got a colonic last, last summer. I went and got a colonic. I, blew, I, I, I said, haven't even gotten a colonic. I said, I'm going to blow this asshole out. I said, let's go. Let's do this. Yes. Whole thing. So, I mean, yeah, it so feels I, great. It feels, it feels great. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best in the business. On that note, I think I think we got it. My favorite part of this interview, one, was obviously, I love how open you are about, about your life and your struggles and everything, And but I would love to have you back another time, and we, we literally just talk style, and like I'll, I'll yes. put an outfit on, and you could like rate them. Please. I also want to do a little ditty with you, because I'm gagged and mind-blown by your titty song like yes i was like let me go see who this person is and you know like because you just don't know you know right, like, yeah, of course. Been, like this person that's like very like 
I could have been know. at the Capitol on January 6th. You don't know. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Isn't that weird how we all stalk each other? Like, I was on your Instagram at last night at like 2.30 in the morning. I saw you go live and I was like, let me see. And you were like, I'm sweating and I'm just fat. And I was just like, yes, me too. <laughs> but the reason why I related to your content and, and, and your sense of humor is because I'd be making little ditties by myself all the time. Like I'm like making my face and I'm like, beat this face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat this. Oh, like, yeah. you know, like that's my whole shit. life. That's how I grew up. And the fact that you're like doing something with it, I'm like, yeah. Yes, yeah, people, yes, 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 yes. I've always flipped um that rap music is like the most macho music of all time. We just started having like fully open artists in rap music. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yo, like, no, like, I'm gonna spit some gay bars. And then, like, and people are just gonna have to take that and live with it and love it. Because I just feel like it flips it on its head. It's like, it's such like an over macho masculine genre. Let's flip it on its head and just do a, a 50 bar gay freestyle. And just people are just yeah. gonna have to take that and hold that. And if you don't have a sense of humor nowadays, you're not gonna make it. You're not gonna make it. Mm-hmm. There's just too much to get offended about. You can't not have a sense of humor. You know, stick up for yourself, have your core beliefs, you know, but mm-hmm. be willing to take a joke. Let's laugh a little. I love laughing. Even when I'm at some of my darkest times, like if I could just laugh, I'm still going to be sad. I'm still going to be depressed, but I'm going to have a good laughing session. Like work. Thank you. Thank you for those five seconds of just letting me laugh for like, um, like those five seconds. And yeah. And titties, so it's, awesome. and titties are awesome. You know, it'd be funny if we did a song and I did a gay verse and you did a straight verse. Period. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because something people don't know about me is like, I'm a rap head. You want to start talking about, like who's the greatest rapper of all time like we can get into it you know like yeah. a lot of people don't see that with me because again how you said it's very hetero that world very. but like i could go bar for bar like rapper for rapper like down the list <laughs> i think it would be so funny because just your style and if your verse was super straight and then my style i'm just like a golf like straight dude but i had just the gayest yes! verse. Let's do, so Let's do it. Let's do it. People just be like, wait, wait a second. Was that guy's gay? <laughs> I thought the other guy was gay. And then we we put my yes. my verse, but you're lip syncing yes. it, and then I'm lip syncing yeah, your yeah. verse. Look, well, you know, <laughs> that's, now we're that's gonna go viral on TikTok, and, and yeah, we're, 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 yeah, we're gonna be millionaires. But uh, Ando, thank Period. you so much. The last question <laughs> I ask everybody on this show is, "Are you happy today?" Yes, I am. I'm I'm happy, I'm content, and I'm grateful. And, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think I how are you people feeling? that ask are you me how happy? I'm feeling. I think you're four. I think we've done like hundred like two hundred episodes of this show, I think. Um I'm feeling great today. You know what I mean? I'm gonna go to the gym, take my dogs for a walk. Uh, but I can't walk around too much in New York because we have these Canadian like wildfires going on. I'm sure you saw everyone from New York acting like we're getting invaded by aliens and shit. <laughs> my favorite is like New Yorkers blaming wildfires on Canada. Like, no, wildfires happen. But I get it because, yeah, like, like also, San Diego like, hasn't been on fire for like the last five years. It's LA like- was on fire like recently. But I get it because, like, you know, especially like living in New York, like, we're so like 
New York, New York, New York, that when something like crazy and weird happens, we're like, wait, what? Like, that's not supposed to happen here. That's, yeah, like we see sense. a lot of crazy shit, but not that. But I'm not, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you kind of just have a good roll going. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. I woke up at a good time and I don't feel tired. That's like already like the first win of like my days. And then like I get a little bit further into the day and now I feel a little bit better. Uh, now I, I try to take it momentum because every day is different. You know, some days yeah. I have good ones. Some days I have bad ones. So I try to take the good days and fucking ride them into the goddamn sunset. Same. Yeah, absolutely. Where can everybody find you? And are you available to, you know, to drip some bitches out here? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm always ready to drip bitches, period. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> are you kidding me? That is like my goal in life. Like when people ask me, they're like, well, who do you want to style? I was like music videos, rap, like video hoes. Like, I don't know if that is even a thing, but like I'm a no, video yeah. ho, so period. I'm always available for that. And my personal Instagram is at Mondo. That's M-A-N-D-O-H. And that's where you can find me just being my wild, crazy self. But if you want to see the more artistic side, like my styling and stuff, you can find me at, at Mondo B Styling. And that's M-A-N-D-O-H-B, just the letter B. And then Stylin, S-T-Y-L-I-N. All right. Well, you guys heard it here first. We're going to make a crossover cis gay rap song that's going to be outrageously fire. You guys can go check us out at one and one OTC on Instagram, TikTok, all over the place. And uh, make sure to like and subscribe. And again, Mondo, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And we look forward to having you back. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate, entertainment. Ah!